All right, we've been in the series called Let's Eat. Let's eat. Today we're going Chinese. You support my people. Amen. I want you to turn to Joshua 24 and verse 15. This is our overarching scripture of the series that I've been talking about, not just families, but you, but you. You know the story here. Joshua has, uh, they've entered the promised land, conquered enemies that wanted to destroy the people of God. He's getting ready to get in his, he's in his twilight years. Later on there in this next chapter, he's going to, he's going to die and he talks not as a commander in chief, but he talks as a dad. And he says, if you want to see why we're blessed and if you want to keep living in this blessing Israel, I'm not just talking to a nation, I'm talking to families. More specifically, he says, I'm talking to you as an individual. And this is what he says in Joshua 24 verse 15. He says, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now, would everybody say the next line with me? Just join me out loud. Everybody, even at home, join me out loud. Ready? But as for me and my we can you give God praise and affirm this as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you know, what's so interesting about this is that have you noticed how he refers to your fathers and me before you talk about me and my house, you got to talk about me and my spouse before you get to me and my spouse. He says, let me talk about me. Let me talk about me. Have you noticed how males, men, are a strategic, a strategic turning point to the spiritual direction of the family and the nation? He refers to fathers and me. He said, I'm not pointing the finger at my house. I'm talking before my house, before my spouse. I'm going to talk about me. And so guys, today, I want to take the men and the ladies, I want to take you out to spiritual lunch. And one of the things that I love to eat at a Chinese restaurant is let's eat, we're going to eat Chinese today, is I love combination lo mein. But today, I want to talk about combination lo mein. When we're talking about the me today, I want to talk about men. I want to talk about fathers. Coming, coming down low. This is, I use the word low men for a reason. It's, it's very intentional and a combination of ways that Jesus came down low, so we must come down low. Have you ever noticed that the kingdom of God is inside, out, upside down? He says, you, you, you want to go to the top? Go to the bottom. You want to be the greatest? Be the least. You want to be the leader? then you better behave like a servant, a slave. You want to be the top? Go to the bottom. You want to be the head? Be the tail. He says opposite. It's totally opposite of what you've been taught in the corporate seminar you just went to. Be number one. Get ahead of everybody else. He's telling you that if you want to go up, you must come down first. 
And Jesus realized with all of his glory had to come down to save you and me, his bride. He had to come down, divest himself of all that he experienced and take on the form of a human being. Can you imagine to come down for us? It's the same thing he's trying to teach every man in this place is to come down. And what happens is, is if we come down, actually what happens, we get lifted up. He got lifted. He came down and died, but he was lifted up. He gets glorified. When we humble ourselves, we get raised up. And guess what? When I come down to serve, when I come down to serve him, to serve Brenda, to serve people, to serve you, when I come down, guess what? Everybody else around me gets lifted up. First of all, God gets lifted up. God gets glorified. And I want to tell you the best way you can lift your wife up is to humble yourself and come down. Combination of ways of coming down low that God raises up. You want to lift up your kids? I'll tell you how. Come down low. You want to lift, you want to lift the environment at workplace? Have a servant's heart in the workplace and watch God start raising everything up. God wants us to come down, to come low. Now, I know not some of you think, you know, Pastor, I'm single. I know you're talking about families and your marriage is involved here. Now, I'm going to deal with that because I'm going to talk about you and your spouse. I'm going to talk about men in marriage. I want to tell you, first of all, young men, young ladies, please listen to this. Listen now, girls, what I'm trying to do is help build a criteria for you to find the right kind of guy. In fact, when you're dating, can I give you the best advice as young men and young ladies? Watch the way mom and dad treat each other. Watch how their parents treat each other. Because that was the model that they saw. Watch it. You say, well, I'm not marrying his mom, her, her mom. I'm not marrying his dad. Oh, yes, you are. You marrying a whole bunch of them. Because what's happened here is we've been talking about this, that marriage depicts the union of Jesus Christ and the church, and marriage really is the object lesson to an unbelieving world on this is how the Father loves you, how Jesus loves you, the way that this man interacts with his wife and his wife interacts with him. It is this, and this is why Satan is attacking marriage. This is why some of you don't even want to get married because of the object lessons and the models you saw. If <laughs> that's it, I don't want it. But God's showing you how to find the right model. And the guys are going, that's what I want to marry, a model. <laughs> and I'm going to say it again. For singles, stop looking for the right one and start becoming the right one. Because you stay in here because I'm trying to give you criteria here to what to look for, okay? And some of you are just going to get married and you're not going to look, you're going to look at the model. You're just going to say, I just want to be, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. I want to get married and be happy. I just want to be happy. Marriage doesn't make you happy. It should make you happier than you already are. All right. Well, I'm just afraid I want to be alone. I just, I just don't want to be alone. I just don't want to be alone. I just, I just, I just don't want to be by myself. Well, listen, if you can't stand to be with you, what makes you think anybody else wants to stand to be with you? Be confident in yourself and become the model Jesus wants and be secure in who you are in Jesus Christ and the rest, gravy on top. Selah. And this is why Satan's attacking your marriage. This is why he's trying to destroy your marriage right now. Because he knows that the moment that you and your wife interact in the model God has, God's glory is going to come out of it. 
people are going to be lifted as you come low. You're going to, others are going to be lifted. And he knows that if I can destroy your marriage and your walk, then I can distort the very image of God, the dominion of God, the authority of God, the majesty of God. And that's the reason why I'm going to keep using this analogy. We need the model of what God's word says, because what's happened is the model of marriage has been front-ended by Satan, T-boned by Satan. It's like, remember the car, the car analogy? It's, it's, you know, it's like bringing the first Ferrari to America. No one's ever seen a Ferrari and it gets in a wreck and no, one ha no one's ever seen one. And you take it into a body shop and they say, fix it. They say, well, we've never seen one of these. Just fix it. I need it fixed. And when you come out, it's got a Ford pickup bed. It's got a VW bug front end. It, you know, it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's just hodgepodge together and everybody's looking at it, laughing and pointing at it and said, I don't want one of those. And that's what's happened. You've let everybody else repair and restore and try to fix your relationships when you need to go back to the one who was the one that originally created. He saw it in your mother's womb before you begin to breathe. Every part was meticulously made and he can put it back together because he is the creator that made it in the first place. He made sex and I'm going to tell you, he can show you how to have great sex in your marriage if you wouldn't go to the world to try to figure out what really gives joy in sex. He'll show you how to treat your spouse if you quit looking at the form. And so some of you need to redo your models of what a man is and what a woman is and what marriage is. How am I preaching, everybody? So my brothers, if you'll just join me, single young men, if you'll just join me, for a moment and say, God, what is the model that you intended that I can display the glory of God in me first? And then God, when you bring that right woman into my life, we can depict the majesty and the glory of God. All right. So guys, you ready? Ladies, come on, say amen. That's the weakest amen I've ever heard in my life. I'm trying to help you out. Come on, girls, you ready? Amen. Get your, get your apps out. Get, get your notes out. Let's go. Ready? Here's the, here's the ways that men can, combination of ways like Jesus, bring yourself low so that you elevate yourself and elevate everybody else around you. Ready? Number one, here it is, is that first of all, Jesus and men must come in sacrificing love. There must be a sacrificing love. I want to read from you Ephesians. Here's Paul writing to these believers, these Jesus followers, these new Jesus followers. I want you to go to Ephesians 5.25. And I want to read it to you from uh, the, the Passion Translation just for a little better clarity. I just kind of love the language they use there. Now, I want you to follow with me. It says, and to husbands, he says, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ, with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us his bride. Come on, everybody. We're his bride. We're his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself. The model that Jesus wanted to bring to you and me as men, as husbands, single men, married men, was that we had a sacrificing love for the bride that God gives us one day or the bride that we have like Jesus and it's unconditional love. So here's what Jesus, Jesus brought himself low and went all the way to the cross, absolute sacrifice to the point of death for you and me, his bride. He says, this is the model I want to show you because it's not the model you see today. He says, this is what a real man does. This is what a real man of God is. 
So you guys, some of you guys going, say, man, I'm not good at taking notes. I just, just give me one thing, pastor. Here's the one thing God requires of you as husbands. Ready for this? God expects the husband to give his wife unconditional love. That's it. No strings attached. Unconditional love. See, because love is demonstrated by bringing yourself down low. Jesus died to himself to die for the bride so that the bride could be raised up and lifted up. So he says, so, so men ought to bring themselves and die to themselves, sacrificing love, not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of the bride. That's sacrificing love. And they didn't have this. So let me explain this for a moment. When the apostle Paul wrote these words through the Holy Spirit to these men, their jaws dropped to the ground. You could hear a thud when their jaw hit the ground because they had never heard this before. Because their model was completely messed up. What they were in was a Roman Greek culture. Now, if you just look at the scripture, you can see and study the background. The Roman Greek culture basically was this, that men had no obligation to their wives. <laughs> they had no obligation to their wives. The men got to do whatever they did in this Roman Greek-influenced culture. Responsibility in the home was a foreign concept. Help with the kids? you got to be kidding. Do what? It was a totally foreign concept. If this wife doesn't please me, there are other women out there that I can go be with and then come back to her. This was a foreign concept, and he said, Jesus is the new model of what a real man really is. This is the original model. We're not trying to put something together. This is why their culture was so messed up. This is why their own Roman Empire just collapsed. It's because eventually one day there's going to be a train wreck and it, nobody's going to want it. And here's what he's saying to them. He says, you need to love your wives like Jesus Christ died for you when you didn't even deserve it. And when you look at this word, when you look at this word in the Greek, it's the verb Paul used caught everyone. I mean, it caught everyone's attention because it, 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 the Greeks saw three words for the words love. It was eros, which was just uh, was erotic love. It's just it's sexual. It's it's the sexual intimacy between uh, uh, husband and wife. That's what this is, eros. And then there was phileo, which was which was a friendship love, like just we're good friends. But the one he used was the agape love. And you, you, A-G-A-P-E, agape love, which literally meant an unconditional love. And the best way I can say unconditional love is this kind of love. It's not a love if. I, I love you if you'll do this. I, I'll stay with you if you do this. It's not a love you because. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you work out. I love you. I, I, I love you. It, it, it's not because if or because or something that I need to get out of you. It's a love in spite of. And what's so interesting about this verb in the Greek was when it was written in the Greek, this verb was in an imperative, it was in an imperative mood, which means that it was not a suggestion for the men. It was a command by God, behave like Jesus, period. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't the counselor saying, hey, why don't you try this out? He says, men, the way we're going to change the culture is you've got to love your wife unconditionally 
no strings attached, not love you if you do this for me, not love you because of this. He says, I love you. I choose to love you. It is a will. It is an absolute will. I love you. I'll be faithful to you. When physical attraction and emotions fade, I will still pursue you like Christ pursued me when I didn't even want him. A little quiet, but folks don't talk much during surgery, right? Amen. See, the problem is, and ladies, this goes the other way, and, and ladies, we're, we'll, 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 talk about, we'll talk about women in the relationship in the series. We will talk about it. But he's saying, men, you're the ones that start this thing. You start it. And I know some of us are waiting for that, that you completely, you complete me moment. You complete me. You better be complete with Jesus before you find that person. Okay? Because what happens is so many people stop the relationships because they don't feel the emotion of that love so much. The Apostle Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, you are not going to feel it at times. They may lose their looks. There may be something that happens within the marriage where even this, where even this, the sexual intimacy is not even be able to be a part of the relationship because of something medically that is occurring. He's saying there may be even moments when they lose the money, they go bankrupt, and they can't take you around the world. He says when all of that is gone, he says this is not something that you feel. He said it is an imperative mode, uh, mood that you love them when all of that is gone. When every bit of it is gone, he says it is an act to love God. So, so many people want to feel their way into an action. Well, we just feel like we fell out of love. You don't feel your way. In, if I felt my way in an action, I probably wouldn't have showed up this morning because I didn't feel like getting up to preach this morning. I didn't feel. I, I, I could have done like a lot of people, just slept in because I didn't feel like going to church. I want to just say this real quick. I want, every ma- I want every male in this room to listen to me for a second. I want every male to listen to me. I want every male that is watching this morning to listen to me. I am so proud of you guys for being in the house of God and being here to hear the word of the Lord this morning because you're pursuing Jesus. I am so proud of you men. When I walk across that bridge going back to my office after a service and I see some of you young dads walking to go get your kids with your wife, you have no idea how proud you made Jesus Christ and you made your pastor. And I know sometimes you don't feel like I'm good enough and I don't do all the things right. I'm going to tell you something. God calls you to begin to initiate. You not, may not be as spiritual as, as your wife is, but he calls you just to lead and take the initiative to be in the house of God, to take the initiative to read the word of God. I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is proud of you. Ladies, we're proud of these men, and I think we ought to just give God glory for the men that are in this house and the men that are watching online right now. I'm just praise God for you. Some of you don't feel like praying. Some of you don't feel like reading the word. Sometimes you don't feel like giving. 
But this is the obligation. This is the agape love. It's not love if. It's not love because it's love in spite of what I feel. It's love in spite of the attraction is gone. It's love in spite the money's not there. I love you simply because Jesus Christ loved me. And that's what I'm going to do to you when I didn't deserve it. That is sacrificing love right there. And Paul just blows their minds with this. And you want to talk about a guy, oh my goodness, you want to talk about a guy that had God had to get it to him. Do you remember what this guy was? The apostle Paul, do you remember what this guy was? He was the one that was destroying the church. He was the one beating the bride and incarcerating the bride and approving the bride's death. Do you remember that guy? He's writing this. You remember on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9? And he struck down off of that animal and he's down on the ground struck blind and he hears the word of Jesus and what does Jesus say to him? He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was waiting for a Messiah and yet the Messiah Jesus Christ himself says, you are persecuting me. Saul never physically ever persecuted Jesus Christ. Never touched him, never laid a finger on him. But he says, Saul, you're beating my bride, killing my bride, abusive to my bride. And I take it personal when you abuse my bride. I take it personal. And we're going to have a talk. Wow. Ladies, you don't abuse your husband because Jesus takes it personal. Men, you don't abuse your wives verbally, physically, mentally, because Jesus takes it personally when you pick on the bride. And while we're talking about picking on the bride, believers, be real careful before you light up on Facebook about who you qualify in the body of Christ is really doing the will of God and who's not doing the will of God. Because when you start lighting up on people on the body of Christ, remember, it's not that person, it's his bride. And I don't like it when you talk about my bride, and I'm gonna tell you, he doesn't like it when you talk or pick on or attack his bride. So be very careful. Be very careful. I know when there's erroneous doctrine, yeah, we gotta talk about that. But be careful who you go after in the bride because he sacrificed and died for it. And he says, men, guys, you want to show them the model? Do something so undone by this world that you bring yourself low in love in spite of, in, 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 or do you love, you don't love because of, but you love in spite of what's going on. And there's no affection there. There's no attraction there. You keep on loving because that's what Jesus did for you. Can somebody say Amen. Number one, what am I need to do? Sacrificing love. Number two, this is the model. It is sanctifying love. It's not just sacrificing love, it's sanctifying love. Now look in the next verse, what he says. He said, Jesus did this for the bride. You do the same. Look what it says. It says, why did he do this? He did this for the bride to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Did you see that? He says to wash her with the word of God. Showering. What are we talking about? We're talking about cleansing. How many of you know that the church is not perfect? Okay. How many of you know that Grand Rapids First is not perfect? How many of you know Pastor Sam is not perfect? Who said amen? Who said it? Where are you? 
who said that? How many of you know that the church has spots? All you got to do is look on Facebook and you can find the things where pastors have messed up, church members have messed up, people who own Christian businesses have messed up. You see it all over. This is what God says. He knew that the bride had spots. It had wrinkles. It had sin. But he said the purpose of the word of God, you listening to the word, you staying in the presence of God, is you're showering yourself. You're cleansing yourself. You're wrinkling out all, you're ironing out all the wrinkles. You're ridding yourself the spot. Jesus is in the business of washing his bride with the word and the Holy Spirit. How many thank God? He's washing us. He's cleaning us. Man, every morning I got to get up and take, how many thank God the people you hang around take a bath every day? Amen. He says every morning, let the word, let the spirit of God, just take a moment, men, ladies, take a moment, and let the Holy Spirit wash us, wash us. And this is what he says, men, just as the word of God and the Holy Spirit washes us and regenerates us, renews us. I mean, you get the, you wake up, you get to take a shower, man, all of a sudden you're, you're, you wake up, you're ready to go. He said the bride needs to wake up and take a shower, get rid of the filth and take the word and wake up invigorated. A fragrance come out of you that smells so good. People say, what's that cologne you got on? There's an aroma coming out of you. He said, the body he said, men, he said, this is part of your purpose. He said, it's not just this sacrificing love, but it is a sanctifying love. Love of the husband should be a cleansing to his, to his wife, an unconditional sanctifying love. It should be cleansing. See, he, he, he's the kind of man that won't get his wife to do things that are contrary to what God's written word says. He won't do it. He's a husband that won't bring pornography into the sexual relationship. He won't bring another party into the relationship. He's the kind of guy that won't bring her into a place that he knows is going to stain her with sin or take her the wrong direction away from God. A husband won't do that, and neither should a wife. Mm. Well, wait a minute. Isn't the wife supposed to submit to me and everything? Uh, listen, motor scooter, we need to have a talk. Well, you're supposed to submit to me in everything. You're, you're like the man that told his wife, honey, you're going to submit to me or else. He didn't see her for three days. And then the swelling went down. But the Bible says she's supposed to submit. Yeah, but you better clarify what it says. She is to submit to everything that is in the will of God as her husband is submitting to the word of God. As he is following the word of God, she is to submit to the will of God because she sees her husband submitting to the word of God. That's why you see in Colossians 3.18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. He's saying, as you men, as you and I keep following God and pursuing him, pursuing him, pursuing him, 
He says, you're going to naturally follow him. You're going to do what he does. And it says that as he is following that, you should work in tandem with him in that. Submitting to the word of God. So do you know what I, do you know what this means? This means I cannot love Brenda more than I love Jesus. Because just as much as she is, a, she is my bride, do you know she's a bride of Christ? Do you know what? I can, as a pastor, love the ministry and love this church more than I love him. I'm just going to throw something out here. I don't know if I should or not, but I'm going to throw it out there. But the Lord dealt with me one time about adultery. And he said, Sam, you and other people in ministry better not commit spiritual adultery with my bride. That's my bride. It's not yours. And I started thinking about that when Jesus looked at the disciple Peter after he failed. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Oh, you know I do, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Well, yeah, Lord. And then what does he say? He doesn't say, go sleep with my wife. He said, go feed my sheep. You take care of her until I come to take her home. And I'm going to tell you folks in ministry, sometimes we're so afraid of losing people and offending people. We have to say things by the word of God that will change what we have to say because we fear we love his bride more than we love him. And we commit spiritual adultery by trying to hang on to his wife when it's his wife and not ours. You're not my wife. I'm part of the bride. I'm just here to feed the sheep. And men, you better love him more than your spouse, than your money, than your wealth, and your own physical body. Pursue him more, and I promise everything else will start lining up. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Amen. <laughs> sanctifying. A sanctifying love. A sanctifying love that you're to cleanse her with the word, stay in the word, pursue God, and watch it naturally happen. Man, you can't force her. You can't force her. you got to follow me because I'm following God. Just follow God, and it becomes a ta enticing. A you're going to follow God. No, just follow God, and watch them see your life be such an order that say, I want the God my father's servant, my mother's servant. That's what I want. And my brothers, man, we create an atmosphere in our homes that is conducive to bringing Christ into the heart of our wife and the heart of our children. That's what we're supposed to create. Just pursuing the Lord. I love what Psalm 101 verse 2 says. It says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Men, can we make a decision, whether we're public or whether we're private, is to walk in our house with a perfect heart and put nothing vile in front of our eyes. I can just tell you as a dad, there is no greater joy that comes to me as a husband than to see this dear woman I love serve Jesus Christ with all her heart. There is nothing more great gratifying to my heart than to see my children serve Jesus Christ. There's nothing more gratifying to me than to see my grandkids want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ because they looked at dad, they looked at mom, they looked at grandpa, they looked at grandma and said, they want to follow Jesus. I want to follow that Jesus. Just keep pursuing the Lord with a sanctifying love not for my house, but for me, Father. Let it start with me. And it'll cleanse others around you. It'll cleanse others around you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Amen. A sanctifying love.
Oh, I love that. I love that. Here's the last thing. In fact, guys, let me just say this real quick. There's no greater thing that you can do. There's no greater thing a man can do for his children than to love their mother unconditionally with sacrificing, sanctifying love. You want to give your kids the greatest gift? Quit worrying about the inheritance as much. Quit making sure they get into the right Ivy League college as much. Quit making sure that the A's are all there. You want to do one of the greatest gifts you could ever give your son or your daughter? Is love your wife like Jesus loved the church, sacrificing, sanctifying. That's the greatest gift you will ever give them. Ever give them. Take my word for it. Because eternity is in front of everybody. Yes, it is. Here's the last one. You ready? Come on. Here's the model. It's not just a, it's not just a, a sacrificing love. It's not just a sanctifying love. It is a satisfying love. Look at verse 28. Let me read it out of the Passion Translation again. Husbands have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your wife is to love your own self. No one abuses his own body. That's why, God, that's why Jesus was on Paul. You're, you're abusing yourself. He says no one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church, his bride. He pampers us, everybody. He satisfies all of our needs. Help me say thank you, Jesus. That's what he does. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. Come on, brothers. You know you and me. Men, we instinctively want to take care of ourselves. But when you care for your wife, you're really caring for yourself. Because the two are one flesh. So when I really take care of her, oh yeah. Because that word pamper, that word pamper, you know what it means? It literally means to nourish her, to feed her, to clothe her. Brenda really loves that one right there, to clothe her. You can walk into her closet and know that I am following Jesus real close on that one. You can tell I follow Jesus real close on that one. It means to hold dear within the heart. Never turning loose, to nourish, to pamper, to feed, to clothe. That's what he's saying. Look at Colossians 3.19. He says, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. The word harshly there, it literally means to foster bitter feelings. Exasperated. It literally means to throw in the towel. He said, don't ever get to the place where you just want to throw in the towel in the relationship with your wife. Don't ever get to the place where you start fostering bitter feelings because you're holding things in and you're not having a conversation about really the things that need to be discussed. He says, don't hold them in. Don't throw in the towel. And I'll be honest with you. How many know that the people we love the most, we get the most impatient and frustrated with? I see some people that are kinder to the guy who's got 16 items in the 15-item line at Meyer. They got more patience for them than they do their own spouse. And they never met this dude. And he's a dude. <laughs> Honestly, you know what really frustrates men? But you really want to know what makes them impatient, angry, frustrated? You really want to know what it is? Anything they don't understand. 
fact, let me, I want to help the young guys out here just for a minute. If you're a husband or you want to be a husband, there are two things you need to know on how to handle women. Listen closely. Take notes. Two things you need to know about handling women. Unfortunately, no man knows what those two things are. Okay, sorry. I just, these boys are ready. I'm just going to tell you, Brent and I, we've been married a glorious, fun-filled 32 years. Peaks and valleys, walking the tough things of life. But, I, but there are times I just don't understand. What, if, I, if I figure? She said, if I ever figure out what those two things are, we'll change what they are. It's been a long time since you had a microphone, isn't it? It's been a long time. Here's the, good, here's the good thing, gentlemen, guys. God didn't call me to try to understand her. That's not my calling. He did not call me to try to understand her. He said, Sam, here's the imperative command of agape love. You sacrifice for her and you sanctify her. That's all I'm asking you to do. I didn't call you to understand her. So you know what this means? It's a volitional love, everybody. It's not an emotional love. It's I just volitionally do it. I don't try to feel my way into an action. I have to act my way into a feeling. In fact, I'm going to tell you, there are many times when Brenda and I get into a disagreement, I cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit reminded me when I said, well, you know, really, Lord, it's really, she's the one that really should come to me on this one. This one round, this round, it's all her. You know what the Holy Spirit's told me? He said, is that what you did when you got saved? You were the one wrong. You were the one in sin. You didn't come to me. I was right, you were wrong. And guess who came down? I did. So Sam, I'm gonna teach you, you come down. You come down, combination low men. Go wash your feet. Watch the beauty come out of it. You let me take care of that part. I'll just show you what your part is. You let me take care of the rest. It's volitional. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? It's not emotional. You act your way into a feeling. You don't feel your way into an action. You just do what God says. <laughs> there are sometimes I just do what God says. I don't understand. I got questions. I got lots of questions. But I sold out. Not to feel my way into action, but to act on his word. That's all I'm required to do. So you know how you do that with your wife? It's real easy. Brag on her. Let's brag on her today. Come on, brag on her. Make her look good in front of the kids. Make her look good in front of the small group. Brag on her. Find something. Don't put her down. Never put, never put her down. Ladies, we'll talk to you all later. But never put her down, men. Never put her down. Not in front of your kids. Not in front of anybody. Don't put her down. Bless her. 
Bless her. Take her to a movie for crying out loud. Take her out to dinner. Go do it. Open the door for her. Load the dishwasher. Pick up your stanky underwear for crying out loud. Tell her, honey, you go out. I'll watch the kids. I'll watch them. I'll watch them. Just do it. Elevate her. Come down low. Give her the remote one time. Just give her the remote. That's a miracle equivalent to the parting of the Red Sea. Just give her the remote. I'm serious. We forget these little bitty things. Just, I just do something. It's just volitionally do it. Don't wait for the emotion. Just do it. For crying out loud, wait till both of her feet are in the car before you start backing up. Make sure both are in. Oh, I gotta get church. I wanna get my Guys, I want all the men to say this. Even single young men say, I love you. Say, say it again, guys. I love you. Come on, guys, wait up in the balcony. Go. Say, I love you. I want you to tell your wife, I love you all the time. Well, I told her last year, tell her all the time. Say it often. Say it often. Say it over and over and over when you don't feel like it. Say it over and over. Hold her hand. Take time to talk to her. Pick a part of the day that's finally everybody's down and you can just talk just for a moment. Rubber feet. Give her rubber feet, Pastor? No, rubber feet. Come on, girl, say amen. Bring her a flower once in a while. Bring her some flowers. I'm telling you, it's spiritual warfare and you don't think it is because the devil screams whenever he sees a man behave like Jesus. It just drives demons up a wall. So if you want to drive him crazy, I'm not asking you to fast McDonald's today. I'm just wanting you to tell her how much you love her and let the kids hear you say it. It'll make demons curl up in a fetal position because you're behaving like your Savior, your Master Jesus Christ. Yeah, but she's not responding to me, Pastor. Due to an obedience to God, to glorify him. She's not responding. But she's not giving me what I want. Due to an obedience to Christ. Fight through the feelings of your disappointment. And just follow Jesus' example. But Christ proved God's passionate love for you by dying in your place while you were still lost and ungodly. How many thank God Jesus came down. He came down low that you could be raised up. How many know we're going to keep coming down low that he can be raised up and we can take others with us? Amen.